Welcome to the Growth Secrets Podcast, where we break down strategies and techniques that will grow your company like never before. Join us as we uncover growth secrets from some of the greatest marketers and business owners from around the world. Learn the secrets that will allow you to stand apart from the competition and live the life you deserve. And now, here is your host, Cooper Saunders. He is the owner and founder of Wise Guys Digital Marketing, two-time national best-selling author, and a business growth expert. Without any further ado, let's jump right in. We had a super special guest on the Growth Secrets podcast yesterday. We had Ken Rusk, and he's the author of Blue Collar Cash. And in this podcast, we go through a couple things. We go through the importance of the blue collared worker and the trades like electricians, plumbers, and how to understand if you should go to college or into a trade. We also look at how business owners in the trades like electricians, plumbers, HVACs can keep their employees. So I think it's gonna be very valuable for a lot of business owners out there to understand these principles. And if you're thinking about going to college or into a trade, I think this will give you a lot of clarity. So let me introduce Ken Rusk and let's jump into the podcast right now. How are you? How's it going? Thanks for having me today. Of course, of course. So tell me a little bit about your book. Tell me a little bit about yourself because you have a fascinating story um, and go through that if you would. Yeah, you know, my story began a long time ago. I mean, I, I had a lot of different jobs like most people did when I was younger. When I was, you know, I worked at a bakery when I was 12 and I worked at a bowling alley when I was 13, 14. And, you know, we just had a lot of, in, in my world, you know, I had four brothers. We lived in a very, very small house. And if if we weren't wearing hand-me-downs, if we wanted to do something on our own, we had to go find a way to buy it. And, you know, my, my father was a real believer in go get it. If you want to do it, go get it. So, but the story really begins when I was 15. My high school shared a fence with an industrial park. And we used to cut through that fence um, to go to the carryout after school. We would kind of hang out there. And I just remember thinking, you know, I need to have some money. I'd like to take out, you know, my girlfriend for pizza, or I'd like to, you know, go bowling with my buddies or whatever it might've been. So I remember this one particular company. Um, I knew somebody that had worked there and it just always had a lot of energy going on. There was a lot of things that young guys liked. There was, you know, dump trucks and backhoes and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember saying, you know, what do you guys do here? And they basically said, well, we're ditch diggers. And I said, okay, well, I can do that. So in the in the summer times when I was out of school, I worked there doing that. And then in the wintertime, I would work in the office after school. So I kind of got a real a well-rounded sense of what the the company was like. And um so when I was 18, the company came to me and said, Hey, we're 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 building franchises, we're we're extending our offices around the Midwest. And would you be interested in doing that? So I had kind of a crossroads, Cooper. I, I had to say to myself, Am I going to go to college or am I going to do this? I really never really, I, I never really had designs on going to college. Everyone told me that I had to, um, but that wasn't a good enough reason for me. So I jumped into doing this. I traveled the country and opened up franchises for three or four years. And then, um, you know, when I was 23, I got tired of living out of a suitcase and uh, we came to Toledo and uh, opened up our company there. And that was in 86. We started with about six people, and I think we're at 200 now, so it's been a heck of a ride. And so I think that a lot of people, when they hear, you know, hey, trades, trades this, trades that, and then, of course, the the subject of college comes up. What's your stance with college? I know doing research on you, you said, hey, I'm a college guy. I think college is very important, but what is the the cutoff between 
you know, now if you don't go to college, you know, you kind of get that look of like, oh, you know, what's wrong with you, right? And so what's that cutoff and what what is your stance on that between should I go to college or should I go into a trade? You know, like what if you if you're let's say myself, what is that? And then what's your advice on that? Well, first off, um, I, I've never and I say this on, on almost every show that I'm on. I'm, I'm not an anti-college guy. If you're going to college for a specific reason, you get a specific degree because there's a specific job waiting for you at the end. Let's say you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, whatever. I mean, if you're going to be a surgeon, Cooper, you know, to operate on my shoulder so I can get back out on the golf course, I'm going to want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick one up, right? So I'm all in on that. However, if you're just going to school because someone said that you had to, okay, because someone said, yeah, that's what I have to do, um, you really need to rethink that because there are so many opportunities out there right now because everyone, high schools are pushing people to school, colleges, parents, teachers, they're all pushing them into college or else. And what that does, it opens up an amazing opportunity because supply and demand works in your favor. So if everyone is going this way, maybe you should go that way. Um, and the trades are certainly offering amazing amounts of money right now and, um, and great future and great futures where you kind of control your own destiny. Yeah. And so why do you think that the blue collared and trades have been so tainted? You know, where do you think that line was drawn between, okay, if you don't go to college, then you're, you know, a second class citizen or, or you know, cause that's kind of the feel. Cause I remember yeah. when I was in high school, you know, the kids that weren't going to college kind of got that, you know, like the side eye of, of, you know, and some of those kids that didn't go to college and went to trades are some of the most successful people I know today. And so yeah. where, where, where did, when did that happen? Do you remember, or do you know if there's a, a certain line where that started to kind of be the norm? Well, there's kind of a triple, there's kind of a triple threat here is I, I call it the perfect storm because what happened was in high school, you know, we had shop class and you could walk down the hallway and you could see someone you know, turning a table for a, a for a leg for a table, a piece of furniture. Uh, you could see somebody welding something, or you could see somebody changing the transmission on an old Mustang, or or cooking, or whatever. I mean, there's you 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 could accidentally discover how cool these trades were, and um, no one looked sideways at anyone who could build, you know, a barn or, I mean, nobody looked sideways at someone who could wire outlets. It was like, it was like a cool thing. So somehow around the mid to late eighties, they got rid of all those shop classes and put computers in those rooms. And I understand that we need to learn computers, but why did it have to be a choice of one or the other? Why couldn't it have been both? Right. So you accident, what you did is you, you, you got rid of, you eliminated the accidental discovery of these trades. And also, you know, I used to go in my backyard and get some lumber and some hammer or a hammer and some nails and build a tree fort. Well, now kids are building, you know, cities on Minecraft with their cell phones. And th that's not the same experience. So you've got kids growing up with screens instead of tools in their hands. And then, you know, you have the colleges that are saying parents, teachers, guidance counselors, if your kid doesn't go to college and give us money, he or she's going to be nobody. And that is such a 
It's such a misleading. It's yes. never been true in the history of our country. It isn't true now and it won't be true in the future. So, you know, what people don't realize is there's 167 million people living in our country. I should say working in our country, considered full employment. And about half of those people still do something with their hands. So by the time your feet touch the floor, getting out of bed in the morning to the time you reach your office, your work, your school, you've crossed a thousand blue collar jobs that are still viable today and that pay great money. So it's a marketing thing by colleges. I don't blame them. They're looking for your money. They don't necessarily care what happens to you in the end. Um, since, since most people don't use their degrees, I mean, only 33% of people use their degrees. It's a game, but you know, the smart person's going to go the other way and make a fortune, you know, building houses or fixing roads or, you know, running their own plumbing company. It's, it's great out there. Yeah. And so with what you just said about now they replace the, the shop with the computers, I think discovering even for myself, I love to build things and, you know, going out in the backyard and, and kind of just getting your hands dirty. That's not something that any kids do anymore, you know? And so I think that kind of with the tech revolution, if you're getting dirty, if you're working hard, then you might be doing something wrong. And I think that might be one of the things that, you know, these days compared to how humans used to be, I mean, these days we've got it so easy. And so I think that's another huge part as well. And so how do you point someone if they come to you and say, hey, I don't know what trade I want to be in. Do you have any pointers for that? Um, or do you kind of just be like, you know, just try it out and see what you think or, or what's your, your stance on that? Well, well, two things, you know, right now, everybody is hiring anybody they can. So there's never been a better time to kind of bounce around a job shop and see the types, the types of things that you might be interested in. OK. Um, you know, they, you can you can take a year off and you can go look around and, and, and see what's out there. But what's more important than that, Cooper, is I always ask them the question, well, why are you working to begin with? Well, you know, because I need money. OK, money for what? Well, money to pay my bills. OK, assuming your bills were paid, then what? Like, what do you see your life looking like in three, five, ten years? Because we don't work. We, we don't live to work. We don't. Humans don't live to go to work. Humans work so they can live. Well, what's the live look like? Okay. Nobody ever asks that question. Everyone always walks around this planet talking about the if then. If you go to high school and if you get, get, get good grades and if you get a scholarship and then if you get a good job after school and then if that job pays you well, well then you can start living. No. Let's start with the then first. So I always coach everybody, especially in my office or anyone who wants to hear me, hear what I have to say. I need you to draw what you want your life to look like first in every detail, because then there's this, there, there's like seven different paths to launch you in to that particular area and a myriad of different jobs that can get that thing done for you. You know, nobody ever rolled up into my driveway and saw what I've accomplished and went, wow, what kind of degree do you have? It's never happened. Yeah. It's how did you grind this life out? And, and I'm happy to talk about that because I started digging ditches and investing and doing all these other things yeah. owned several different construction companies. And now here I am. So, but I'm not unique in that. I mean, 
anybody can follow the path as long as they have a path to follow. Yeah. And, and what we don't do is teach people, well, what, why are you working to begin with, man? I mean, what do you want out of this? What's in it for you to do all this? And if we spent more time on that, we'd have a lot more acceptance of any type of job that gets you there. And do you recommend, let's say, someone going into the trades with the end goal of eventually them owning their own company, kind of like you did? Or is it really depending on what they want out of life? You know, maybe they do just want a secure job that they can be their family and have an amazing life. Or, you know, is it just depending on the goals of the person? Would you, if you would advise them? Yeah. So, Tom Galassano, who founded Paychex, wrote a book called Built Not Born. And in the book, he talks about entrepreneurial employees. So I look at it, there, there's two answers to your question. Number one, I work for myself. I like to be able to control my own input, my own output. I like to control the, the, the pace of that output, the quality of the output. I like to control my day, my schedule. Um, I like to control how hard and how fast I work. And I also like to control the financial gain that I get from all that. I don't think you can get that on the 15th floor of some office building in a cubicle when you're a very small cog in a very big wheel. That's just my opinion. However, people find security in that, allegedly, and that's okay if that's how they feel. But there's a, there's a new kind of thing out there called the entrepreneurial employee, where you can actually work for a company and build the culture to where you feel like you own your division. You own your piece or you're a part of that company and you are financially rewarded for running that as optimally as you can. The cool thing about that is you don't really own the company. You don't really have all that risk, but you still feel like on a daily basis, you control your own destiny. And so if you can find a place that that the culture supports something like that, and, and most cultures are being forced to do that these days, then you don't have to be the owner in order to be you're very successful. Although being the owner is pretty cool. I mean, you know, when you're calling all the shots, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits to that. There's nobody standing behind me right now to say, Hey, this is what you should do, Ken. But at the same time, it's pretty cool. So I think either one of those paths is a good way to go. Yeah. And so at my company wise, as we've got a lot of, you know, electricians, plumbing, all these trades that they have a terrible time. I mean, that's the biggest problem that we have is keeping employees and employee retention. And so with you growing your companies and, and and how successful you've been with how many employees you have, do you have a, you know, a secret guide or method that enables you to keep all these employees and then really build your companies? Yeah. So, so here's, here's the thing, and this is going to be somewhat controversial for some of the business owners out there. You have to let go of this whole boss ego thing. You have to let go of, I solve all the problems, okay? Um, You have to let go of the fact that when your wife asks you at night or your husband, how was your day? You say, well, I did this and I did that and I told him this and I solved that and I fixed this thing and I I made that happen. No, I, I think the way to lead a company today is to almost become irrelevant to its daily operations. And instead, guide the company to where you want it to go. The way to do that is to start off by making this statement. I can't get what I want, nor can I get what my company wants or needs until all of you get what you want first. And I mean that. And I'm going to prove that by saying, 
Let's talk about what all of you want. Let's draw that out very clearly. Then let's each let's have each one of you become that entrepreneurial employee spirit person, right? And then if those things happen, if we attain these levels of success, I'm going to share these pieces and parts with you. I, I you know we're going to go on an annual vacation. I'm going to give you quarterly profit sharing checks. I'm going to do the types of things that build great culture because I can tell you as a, as a business owner, once you empower the people around you to control their own financial gain and their own destiny, you better get out of the way because they're going to run that company a lot further and a lot higher and a lot more successfully than you could ever run it on your own. I know that people are going to find that hard to swallow, but it is absolutely true, especially in today's what's in it for me to work here type society that we have. You know, you used to be able to get away with putting an end the paper and 15 people sit in your foyer and you get to pick and choose who you want. That isn't the way it is anymore. I mean, people are walking in now saying, why should I work here? <laughs> and if you can't answer that question, you're going to have an issue hanging on to people long term. Yeah. And so do you think it's an, almost an ego issue? Like, hey, I own this company. I make I call the shots. Um, do you think it's little bit on that or is it just kind of like the old-fashioned way of running businesses just people have to I, I I think it's I think that's a great question and I think it's both and I think as an owner you need to do a little soul searching and say okay why what, what why am I in in this why am I doing this so you know if 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 your ego needs stroked it's going to be hard for you to do this um if if you're a traditionalist well guess what you know, VCRs were tradition at one point, <laughs> you know, CDs were tradition, yeah. at one point. Yeah. you know, so manual transmissions were tradition at one point. You have to roll with that and you have to say, I need to evolve because at the end of the day, you know, you don't want the company to consume you. You want to control the output and the direction of the company. And I think the best way to do that is by getting a lot of people around you that are willing to do that with and for you and then sharing some of those benefits. And so you, I guess with that being said, if, if I'm a, a plumbing, I own a plumbing company and again, I'm having trouble getting employees. Is, is it whenever you get the interview that you say, Hey, this is what we're going to do for you. You know, you don't work for a company. You're kind of, when you come in here, this is X, Y, Z benefit. Is it within that? And then once you keep, once they're in, you keep them? Um, or is there some type of secret that to bring them on, right? Because that's another problem yeah. that I have is not only can we not get employees, we can't even get interviews with people. Well, obviously you do it two ways. You work with the culture at your front door. Like what's the first thing they see, feel, touch, smell? What, what's going on there? And you can also work within the people that you have and say, hey, man, you got to spread the word that I'm going to build this awesome culture of people that want to work together and, and make this common goal happen and then share in the rewards. But, you know, for me, it's all about does does the book match its cover? OK, when I walk in and I see all these great things, does my first day at work actually match that? OK. And and. Here's here's something that most people don't hear. Well, okay, so I'm the guy interviewing. So tell me why you're here. Why do you want to work? What's in it for you? What would your life look like if you could control it the way you want it to be? Because I'm going to help you get there. 
-hmm. We're going to do this as a team. You don't hear that in interviews. You hear, you know, what was your last job like and why'd you leave? And, you know, (laughs) all those standard questions that just don't really apply as much anymore. So for me, it's all about, all right, you're here. I'm here. How do we benefit each other in a majorly cool way so we can both walk away from this thing going, man, I can control my life with and through this organization. If you answer that question, you're going to have something. Yeah. And so what I hear a lot too is we'll have, again, electricians that are, we'll hire somebody and they're, they'll say, you know, we don't want to treat them too well. We don't want them to know too much because four out of the five people that we hired left and started their own company. And now they're our competitors. So these business owners are interviewing people almost like in treating them almost like a competitor. And so I'm like, well, you know, maybe that's the reason why they're leaving. You know what I mean? If you're treating them like a competitor, if you're treating them like an enemy from the get-go, they're going to leave. And so do you find that being a problem? Do you see that in your own organizations? Um, Do you feel like your strategy has helped deter that? Uh, Again, great question. And that goes back to the entrepreneurial employee part. Well, what I would say is why are these people leaving? Okay. There's got to be a reason they have to be wanting for something. And what is the want? Is the want, you know, they want more control over their day or they want more control over their pay or they want more control over, you know, the work, the workload. Answer those questions and you'll keep them around. Yeah. Because if you solve a need, you know, nobody, not very many people want to leave a job that they're getting paid well, they have their own nice vehicle, they have control of their day, their destiny, their, their, you know, their financial inf- not many people are going to give that up and then go borrow a bunch of money and hope they can make it on their own. Some people will. And those are the people that you're just going to, you know, you're going to benefit from their experience while they were here and they're going to move on. That's the way of the world. But some people are going to go, you know what? This is pretty cool. There's strength in some numbers here. I love what we're doing as a collective effort. I'm going to hang around here. So I think that's the difference between winning and losing people. Of course, of course. And and that's the the key, definitely. And so in your book, I wanted to hit on what somebody, you know, let's say I'm I'm at Barnes and Noble and I see your book. What's kind of like the the ideal person that's going to read and get the most out of this book for you? Yeah, well, there's there's actually three, and one of them was a surprise to me. So first off, let's assume that you're 15, 16, 17, and you keep hearing you have to go to college, but you don't want to. You're like, you know what? I, I want to go build things, or I, I want to go create things, or or fix or repair things, or whatever. This is a great book for you because, it it, it again, it aligns you emotionally and and mentally to say, well, let's look at what my world is going to be first, and then I'll make that decision. A lot of different ways to get there. The second one is, and I've had a bunch of these, which is really cool, Cooper. I've had people say, you know what? I was sitting in this office building. I got a college degree, and I'm in sales, and I'm medical sales. I can't stand it. I worked for a plumbing company when I was in college, and I loved it. And um, I'm going to quit this job and go be a plumber. And, And they've done it. And they're like, Thank you so much for writing this book because you got me off the couch to go make that transition, right? That was a cool one. But I think the the really neat one was business owners who are buying this book for their office people and they're having like a book club with it where they're saying, okay, 
we want to all drive this company forward and bigger and better than it is. Let's all kind of align ourselves and get our own individual goals set up so that you all feel like you're part of that process. Mm-hmm. That was the surprise one for me, but it's the cool one because, you know, if you have a group of people that are all making their lives better because they sat in some conference room and, and, and read my book and said, all right, let's all get our goals together and make this thing work. Companies improve. I, that's, that's a pretty good story. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And, and even your story, and, and I just wish that more people kind of had the stance where you're at, because, you know, a lot of the society just in America and the Western world is follow the path. And if you're outside of that path, then you're kind of a, an outlier. And it, it makes people really feel like, hey, they're not good enough. They're inadequate. And that brings out a lot of jealousy and envy. And so for you, do you find you've had any problems with that with employees or even with yourself, like deep down thinking, hey, I'm not better than Jared because Jared got a degree. Do you ever have a problem with that? Because I'll meet with people like my cousin is 17 years old, doesn't want to go to college, but is worried that he's going to look be looked down upon and almost have um, an inferiority complex based on that. Do you find that or is that kind of just based on what? I I used to think that was a possibility, but, but then again, you know, am I trying to be an educated person or a happy one? Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that those are mutually exclusive because you can be both, but my goal was to be happy. My goal was to continually chase this puzzle that I put together. That is my best lived life. You know, I wanted to be a race car driver when I was younger, not a ditch digger. But you know what? Now I've got several cars and I race them around the track and it's a riot. It's a blast. And I've kind of, I've solved that problem, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, the answer is, you know, living well is always the best revenge. And, um, you know, when, when I hear one of these overly educated Ivy League, maybe East Coast people say it's college or else. And then in the next breath, they complain that they just played their paid their plumber $800 to fix something. And he was only there for half an hour. I think to myself, well, okay, you know, there's the dichotomy in that, isn't there? Right. Um, and, and, and by the way, obviously you can do very well being educated. There's no doubt about it, but I will also tell you that all the wealthiest friends that I have are all blue collar guys who started their own companies. So yeah. It, it, it's, it's not mutually exclusive, but you know, it sure helps to know where you want to go. Yeah. And so what are a couple things kind of for a question for you, Ken, is what are your, a couple core values that you live by? I like to ask people this because it really tells a lot about them where two or three things that you really believe you say, I'll, I'll die on this hill for these values. Are there something that, because with every successful person, there is a core belief or values that they have. And, and what are yours? Do you believe? I have two of them and I talk about them in the book. Um, first off, entrepreneurship is not some gift that you're given at birth. It just isn't. I don't care what anybody tells you, you know, people aren't born entrepreneurs. Okay. They learn to create visions in their mind and those visions take them down a path somewhere. Elon Musk is a big thinker, but he's a visionary. 
Stephen Jobs is a big thinker, but he's a visionary. All the Richard Branson, visionary. They saw things in their own mind that they wanted and they found a way to get them. A lot of people don't use the vision side of their brain. They use the reaction side of the brain. Something happens to me, it's a stimulus and I react to it. No, no, no. Let's talk about the proactive vision that you might have for yourself. So I think that once you have that picture in your mind of what you want your life to look like, then all those little characteristics of entrepreneurship just kind of awaken inside of you. It's almost like, you know, the shoes in the back of your closet that you haven't worn in a long time, right? Those things all come out. Things like persistence and resilience and courage and faith and humility, okay? And, and all those things start to come out once you know where it is you're going in a crystal clear way. So that's one thing. Entrepreneurship is not exclusively for any, it's, it's, it's open to everyone. The second one is this. I believe that I, I've been doing charity for a very long time. I'm one of the biggest donors in Ohio for Make-A-Wish and, and a lot of other charities that we get involved in. Awesome. And although you are never supposed to give to charity in expectation of something coming back to you, that's not why you do it. But I will tell you, I don't know what it is, but the more I give, the more abundance seems to come to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I can't put pencil to paper and direct correlation. The more you give of your spirit, your time, talent, and treasure, the more things just seem to come your way. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I believe it's incumbent upon upon all of us, which is even why I wrote this book, to give back of our talent and our treasure and our, our experiences mm -hmm. to cut the learning curve for those that are behind me coming up the up the line. So yeah, I, I think two things. You know, see it and then make it. And then once you're done with that, give back. And I think those are pretty two pretty strong values to have. Yeah. And so with you saying those two things, how strongly do you believe in, in the success in business of kind of like the law of attraction and, and, and kind of having great thoughts kind of push you in the right direction? If you don't believe in the law of attraction to the listener, or even yourself, do you believe that those two things, because the more you give, the more you're going to receive and seeing inside your mind before it happens, having vision plays a part in business or it's just that'll put you on the right direction? There, there is, there's no doubt. And let me just ask you this question. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and at the end of every sentence, they say, do you see what I mean, Cooper? Yep. Okay. So what are they asking you to do? Visualize. They're asking you to visualize the pictures they have inside their brain, right? Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I'm trying to mean right now? So of course, if you have a clear vision or a clear picture of what you want, you know, just like Oprah used to say, if you know what, what your brain sees, it attracts itself to. I'll give you a quick example. I, I when I when I first built this company, I I, I knew that it in, in this there's a certain period of time that I had to pay some financial things off. It was about a six or seven year plan. And I said at the end of that seventh year, I'm gonna buy myself a brand new 911 Porsche. Okay. So I went to the dealership and I got a brochure and I said to the guy, I'm going to see you in seven years. And he looked at me like I was from Mars. Okay. Next year I went back, got another brochure. The next year I got back by the fourth year, he started to actually believe me. He was like, you know what? This guy might actually buy a car for me someday. Well, at the seventh year, 
six years and six months in, I went in and ordered that car and he looked at me, his name was Paul. And he goes, man, I can't believe you actually did this. And I said, well, I, I, it was a vision, right? So the things that I had to do to build the value in my company to allow me to be able to do that, that was a vision. So I, what I, what I saw, I attracted myself to, and that it doesn't have to be a physical thing. I mean, it could be a mental, spiritual, religious thing. It doesn't matter what it is. So, yeah, I, it's an insanely powerful force that we don't teach people how to use. And I just don't get that because either. it's free and it's powerful and it works. Because I use it every day and it's helped me buy my dream car as well. Kind of the same, same feel of, you know, going test driving it, you know, mm -hmm. imagining yourself and being happy where you're at as well. You're showing right. gratitude, right, is, is also huge. So I want to pivot a little bit. And, and a lot of people that I speak with that are thinking about starting their own company or starting their own company, how do you deal with fear? I feel like a lot of people, it's a scary, it's, it's really scary. We are kind of looking over the ledge, about to take the jump into entrepreneurship. I know how I dealt with it, but I want to get your, you know, how do you deal with fear in the face of opportunity and starting your own company? A long time ago, a wise person said to me, I've never built a battleship before, but if I did, what would be my very first step? So I changed that. I, I, I don't even remember who told me that. It was 25 years ago. So I'm in the construction business. So I put a whole chapter together that says, I've never built a skyscraper before, but if I did, I suppose the first thing I would have to do is find some land. Okay, land. I never built a skyscraper before, but if I did, I suppose I would have to get some plans for a building. So there's an architect involved. Now, if you keep walking down that path and you keep repeating what I just said, there's going to be building materials and then there's going to be permits and then there's going to be selecting a general contractor. And then there's going to be, and pretty soon, guess what, Cooper, you've built the building by never having done it before. Yeah. So fear in my mind, is the manifestation of not knowing where you're going. And, and I look at it as though, well, there it is. I mean, I, I've never gotten into my car, Cooper, or backed it out of the driveway, put it in drive and said, where the heck am I going? There's always a very clear path, yeah. whether it's a path to the mall or to the church, again, school, church, whatever. And I think that's the way life needs to be. So I think fear, again, is fear is a fence between you and your vision. And um, have that vision, those walls go away. Yeah, and, and I always say, feel fear and do it anyway, because that means you're right on the cusp of something yeah. big, you know? And yeah. I always say, too, I tell people, success leaves clues, even for yourself. I mean, if you're wanting to start a company and, and just like you did, I mean, you're more than welcome. I mean, even talking with me and writing a book, I mean, so many people have left so many clues to starting a successful business in any industry. You just got to ask. I mean, reading your books and, and speaking with you, I mean, I, it's just amazing whenever I say, okay, if you've got fear, then you're not, something's not adding up. You know, there are people well, out there that'll help you. Yeah. And, and there's something else that, that this generation has that we never had. I mean, when I was doing the books, I used to have like, you know, graph paper and yeah. pencils and, you know, calculators and all that. Now you can run a business with a pickup truck and, you know, one of these cell phones. It, you can do payroll on here, buy your materials, do Quick your taxes. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So it, the barrier to entry has never been smaller. 
the opportunity has never been larger to get into what you want to do. And here's the beautiful part about this, especially if you're going to work for yourself and do something with your hands. So few people are getting into that side. You know, the the wealthy man or woman is going to do things that others aren't doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many people for every 10 contractors that are retiring today, only three to five contractors are taking their place. What does that tell you as far as simple <laughs> supply and demand? Yeah. Economics, ninth grade, 101, right? Where supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes. So yeah. we have carpenters in this town making 100, 150,000. We have plumbers making yeah. six figures all day long. We've got, it's, it's nuts and it's going to stay that way. It's not a phase because as these kids, as they continue to come up and not ever have held a tool in their hand, that's going to make these jobs even more rare. So have at it, people. There's a lot of money in it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always kind of like to step into the mind of successful business owners. Now, my company is a digital marketing company and we, you know, help kind of, you know, trades companies, all the, all types of different companies. But if there's three marketing tips that you could give to these business owners that do have trade electricians, plumbers, what are those? I mean, are there three core principles? Um, what are three marketing tips or principles that you follow and that have worked very well in the past for you? Well, I, I would always say this. I would always say, you know, your your, your customer experience is going to be your loudest trumpet. Okay. If, 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 a, if God forbid, Cooper, you show up on time. <laughs> On the oh God, day yeah. Would and you do a good job. You've already separated yourself from everybody else in your field because you know there's this. You know, he never called me back, and I waited six months, and he killed me on the on the dollars. So yeah, that's one. Just just do it and do it well, okay? And then and then share that customer experience with others. There's no doubt. The other thing is, I would say, be everywhere. Just be. Be available, be visual, have people see you. Okay. Um, that that's that's another real big one because you know, everyone's on their phone going, okay, I want pizza, boom, pizza's at my house. Okay. You need to make your company user friendly. Yeah. You know, and 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 have that accessibility. And and that that to me, we're in such an on-demand world anymore. I mean. Do you even know what a yellow page book is? I mean, we used I to have on it as a kid, you know, when <laughs> I couldn't reach the table. <laughs> right. So those don't exist anymore. And, and that's why I'm saying, you know, if I could give you just those things right there, you know, be everywhere, be accessible, be user friendly, but also take advantage of an amazing customer experience to just yes. spread that word for you. Yeah. Cause that's the biggest thing you, you would think it was a given, you know, have, yeah. Or techs come out in a uniform, a wrapped van, make sure they're friendly, kind, you right. know what I mean? Is I mean, that's one of the first things that, you know, the biggest thing that we do for electricians, plumbers, the trades, right? Blue collar is the local SEO. If they type in electricians, Kansas City being the first one, a bunch of great reviews. And, you know, we had this company ranking number one for electricians in Kansas City and their business was stagnant. And I was looking at their one star reviews and it was kind of the same thing. You know, electrician showed up late, wasn't in uniform, was rude. And I'm like, hey, you know, you've got to fix that. And I think that that's one thing that is wildly just overlooked is this the customer experience, you know, just do a great job and you'll get referred and, and grow your business. So 
huge point on that. And so do you have any tools or, or strategies that you've learned to kind of help take that first step into entrepreneurship, right? Because you said it's not a God-given talent, right? You learn it. And so do you have anything that you used or courses or books that have taught you to become the business titan you are today? Well, you know, in the old days, you know, you read books that help you communicate well. I think that's a big one. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People was really good. Um, all the Spencer Johnson books, you know, the, the One Minute Managers, Who Moved My Cheese, all those small books that you can do as a book club within your own organization. Those are all really, really good because they're quick and easy reads and they give you stuff that you can actually use right now today. You know, it's not like they have a 15 letters after their name and they talk in theory and they talk in all these, you know, whatever. These are things that you can put in your in your office today. Right. And, and just the other thing is, I keep going back to the same thing. But if you're if your company has and if your company has selfish employees with a collective attitude, meaning not selfish at the detriment of others, but self ish, focusing on me and in tune, focusing on the company while I'm doing that. You know, that's a go forward position that that's a that's a launch pad for success. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think those are things that people really need to consider. And it, there's some tough love with some people because they still want to hold on to that boss thing, you know, um, but it's too hard. I mean, give it up already. Yeah, okay? yeah. Allow your people to move your company forward and then give them, um, you know, pieces and parts of that growth. And it's just going to be great for you. That's best case scenario. You know, you're growing your company and you don't have to do as much. I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So Ken, I want to thank you. Is there anything that you want to plug um, here at the end of our show, kind of talk about, um, you know, we've, we've mentioned your book, Blue Collar Cash, but is there anything you want to leave off with maybe special offer or anything in that regard? Yeah. So you know, I, I I didn't write this book to make money. It was something that, um, you know, I, I'm a businessman first and an author second. And uh, my world was really good before I wrote this book. So it, this is kind of like my give back moment. So what I did was I was tired of, of, of seeing all these books on the shelf that people read. And they were more like trophies. You know, they, they couldn't remember a thing that was in any, any of these books. So, but they read them and that was cool. So I said, you know, I'm going to build a very simple course. It's an eight-week course. It takes an hour a week. You could do it in a long weekend if you really wanted to. But I wanted to build this course so you could take this book and say, okay, now I'm going to actually physically change my life today Oh yeah. by starting this journey, this course, okay? Now, I've seen courses for $250, $500, dollars $2,000. No, I charge 99 bucks for this course. You get a free $25 book with it. And when you do that, when you help yourself, I'm going to donate a book and a course in your name to someone you know or someone who you think needs it. And if you don't have anybody, I'll donate it to a local person here in town. So just know that if you help yourself, if you decide to help yourself, you're going to be helping somebody else in the process. And that's really starting to take hold. I have a lot of people that are doing that and and they're thanking me for it because you know you might have a a 30-year-old guy or gal who's helping their life get clearer. And they're going to send this to their 17-year-old nephew who's not sure if he wants to go to college. So they both win. Exactly, yeah. And, and it becomes a partnership and almost a mentor-mentee relationship 
And that's super powerful. And uh, so if you're going to help yourself with my stuff, you're going to help somebody else at the same time. Which is kind of what you were talking about earlier with the giving back, you know, that's, it's huge. And that's, so I'll link that. I'll link the book Ken's website and the course in this show description. And Ken, I just want to thank you again for coming on the growth secrets podcast. Thanks Cooper. Happy to be here. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the growth secrets podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. And we'll catch you in the next episode of the Growth Secrets Podcast.